Club members. I'm Jen. And I'm Carrie. And this is Warhammer 40k Book Club, where we read from a crag. This is episode number 73, and our book is Catachan Devil by Justin Woolley, I'm guessing. Not Woolley, Woolley. I don't know. The book is about the Catachan, the infamous Catachan, 57th Jungle Fighters, as they drop onto a planet besieged by orcs. We posted several questions on our website, wh40kbookclub.com, and we encourage participation in our conversations via Twitter, our site, or Encrypted Vox channel. Spoiler warning. If you haven't yet read the book, definitely check out the book and our post before listening to this episode, as we're going to discuss the book from start to finish in great detail. Not that there's a ton of spoilers in this one per se, but with that, let's dive in. As always, did you like the book? I had a great time with this book. It was fun. (laughs) (laughs) um yeah that's a really good way to describe it i had a lot of fun with it i have mixed feelings on the ending which we'll talk about later um yeah i don't know how i feel about that one but i did have fun with it the catachan it's basically like if you took the group from the first predator movie and john rambo from rambo 2 not rambo 1 and and then threw in a little bit of Australia because reasons. You could get out of their Amazon, I'd think. No, oh, that would do too, yeah. Just a place where people have a uh, devil may care attitude. <laughs> and a lot of jungles. A lot of jungles. A lot of jungle. What part stood out to you? It's really hard to say, like, if anything in particular stood out. I think a lot of the orc logic discussions stood out how how they took some english sayings and how they you know warped it because they don't know the words like wrote down one because i laughed so hard it was oh the elephant of surprise like well elephant would be surprising that would be surprising although i i think the start that really stood out though was when um the, uh, the Catachan had lured all the orcs out and then they set off the mines. They talked about how they had different explosions that just kept going and going. I actually had the ending scene from Caddyshack going off in my head when that happened, complete with John Philip Sousa in the background. That's amazing. That's amazing. And the, yeah, the little gopher dancing. That would be an orc, though. It would be sure. an orc. Mm-hmm. It would be an orc dancing. Um... That scene was great. It was very cinematic. You could really imagine it. My scene that was similar to that is when the uh, orcs were charging them in the beginning. And he talks about how they're all firing their guns. And he's like, well, the Catachan, all of our guns basically sound the same. Torvin's a standard issue, so it's different. And he's like, not a single one of the orcs sounds the same. The only thing they have in common is like they're big, they're loud, and more than they need to be. Right. It just cracked me up. And I loved when he was talking about when he got his Catachan knife, when Nogrok got it back. And um, the orc logic and the amount of times they use the phrase, fair enough. Because it just, when he's going through the orc code, right? It's like, okay, the guy took my knife and I killed him to get it back. Fair enough. His boss is angry. Fair enough. But when he's going through, like, he wants to try and take revenge. Mm, that's not really cool right now. And then, like, when they would talk about, like, oh, well, somebody died, so he's taking his place. Fair enough. Like, 
the number of ways that they just like rationalize their just sheer bloodiness and mm-hmm. wahness cracked me up. I just love the orcs, guys. But they're not charging at you anyway. I did like how effectively when you're reading Nogrok's chapters, he's funny and he's charming in an orcish way. Right. And you're like kind of rooting for him because he's like, no, 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 no. Tactics is the way to go. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, sure, friend. Harrison, and you're like, oh, I just you're love so the funny. way that they spell tactics because it, you can oh hear God, yes. that spelling. It's not, not oh. just like, oh, just tactics. No, it's tactics. Very it's hard. Tactics. Yeah, tactics. Well, actually, I say all of their stuff at the case, like commandos. It's not commandos. It's commandos. Right. Like everything. Because I read these aloud to my husband. And every time I come to a word that has a K randomly inserted, I always have to like. It's very satisfying, actually. <laughs> You're saying it aloud like tactics. Very satisfying. Um, it invokes that same satisfaction when you drop the F word because it's mm-hmm. so harsh. Um, but I loved all of that. And I loved like how like, oh, he's so cool. And then like, there's that scene when he kills that Catachan and takes his head back right. to prove himself to Gut Stampa. Oh, thank you for reminding me they're terrifying. Right. And that he's only funny to an extent. He's funny with the other orcs. Right. As an orc, humorous. As an enemy of mankind? No. No, thank you. You know, and they kept talking about how their forces kept getting depleted because of the way that Gunpla mm-hmm. would just, you know, throw orcs. So when the feral orcs came in, and even Torvin talked about the green tide. It's like, yes, this is mm-hmm. what you're we're used to seeing. Is they always talk about it's just like this wave of green mm-hmm. just kind of coming over the hills. You can almost like see right. it. Right. It uh Oh man, we'll talk more about the feral orcs in a bit because that was that was a whole thing. Um, I did. I didn't like... know there was such a thing. That was new to me. Oh yes. Um, we'll get there. Um, because that was a that was a fun thing. Did you overall? Did you like the Catachan? Did you like? How do they compare to like other death? Because we've now read we've read books about Cadians. We've read books about the Krieg. I'm going to go ahead and throw, because we've seen some people who are from Fenris. Like, we have read about so many Death World people. What do you feel about the Catachan? Well, you know, the Catachan, they kind of remind me a lot of the Cadians. And just in how, um, the thing is, the Cadians weren't really from a Death World. Not really. They just lost their planet and they're a little bitter and they don't think anyone's as good as them because they they're are that right at the eye of terror were, it wasn't like a death planet like you're talking about like the krieg like you literally can't live on that planet it's impossible so they live underground and they're not really born um or the or so the catachan was just them talk they could really have the haughtiness of the cadians like no one will ever understand how hard we have it how you know great we are and everyone's just you know they're trying to be as awesome as us they remind me a lot of especially in um uh steel tread that book steel tread how those cadians treated uh their new commander 
with everything is like, I mean, what does she know? She's never really seen like, you know, real combat or blah, blah you know, whatever. That's kind of how they, they reminded me a bit, but at the same time, um, unlike the Cadians, I've, cause I've, the Cadians rubbed me the wrong way. At least with the Catachan, like they could put their money where their mouth is. My favorite scene is when he, it's actually, it's replicated in the beginning and in the end is when Aldalon, when he first goes in and he's just addressing the major general, like very casually and Commissar Redvin is like, excuse you. And he just looks at her and is like, I've been excused. Anyway, it's like, he just, it's the Catachan. They are, for all intents and purposes, they're the closest thing to like the human version of the Astartes where they know their reputation. They know that people are scared of them. They know that people hold them in this spot of reverence. And like in the end, when he walks in and he's just like, and he looks at the commissar and is just like, you have to excuse me for a second. Like, but you're right. They then, they're like, we are very arrogant. We are very brash. We are very, don't bother us because we're from a death world. And then they back it up. They are my favorite speech of his is when he's kind of when Aldalon's kind of watching Torvin in about the middle of the book he's watching Torvin and he's just like how the hell is the Imperium still running oh right because of people like us you guys are just cannon fodder damn son he actually had a and I wish I'd written them down but he actually had a lot of really interesting insights to how the Imperium worked. And one thing I loved about reading from um, Torvin's point of view, honestly, that primer he had was such, it was hysterical because that's totally the crap the Imperium buys. And part of it is like they kind of have to buy it because otherwise, you know, no one's going to do their tithing. But maybe they shouldn't. Like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> it's... It, I mean, I'm that, actually... that one that cracked me up was the thing about how like oh orcs aren't as strong as human beings you'll just have to rush up there and charge them and I was like yeah I mean like did they keep a straight face when they wrote that I was like you know even Torvin said that you know when he was reading it and like the veterans would come by and be like okay please he's like oh maybe they don't maybe this isn't accurate like he had you know really like no no idea and, you know, right. Also, probably another part that I thought was humorous was when, like, Adelon's like, "Why are you stuffing so much crap in your pack?" And he makes comment about that, you know, that uh, Torvin's getting better about it. And he's like, "He's like, at least this time, he's not. He realizes you don't need an extra pair of underwear." He's like, "Well, maybe the Imperial troops do." Like, funny. <laughs> Actually, really liked the phrase. It's in that last. It's in the very last chapter. It's when he bursts into the door and he said that um, planetary governor Missum and Major General Nillum stared wide-eyed and pale with their posture of two men who had unexpectedly answered their daily call of nature. That's the best phrase for shitting yourself mm -hmm. I've ever heard. But to your point, yes, I liked what I loved. It reminded me of that because of the underwear thing. But um. I loved when, like, the scene with, like, the ration tens, right? When he's just like, oh, yeah, we've never eaten those. And um, Aldalon is just constantly like, you don't need that. And, like, when he crushes the flashlight. And when you think about it, I understand why you needed a flashlight. But, like, 
it just shows how poor this training is right. for these people, right? That it never even occurred to him that, oh, yeah, it's nighttime in a jungle and we're sneaking up on orcs. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe not right now. It well, just, they were fun. Well, you know, the, the pack, the pack always came around. But there was like, it was clanky. He actually stood up too quickly and he fell over backwards because the pack was so heavy. And, uh, you know, I, I felt like I was actually getting like, I was back in high school reading Moby Dick and finding um, symbolism in the fucking wave droplets again. But, you know, with the um, with the pack is like, like the mark of the Imperium, like of that weight on the back. How unnecessary is all of that? Well, and just, again, it, it reminded me, so there's a really great scene where Torvin is like, oh, like, you know, he's talking about his life before he was tithed. And Aldalon is like, you exist to kill Xenos. And it, yeah, that is basically as an Imperium, Imperial citizen. Once you get drafted into the Imperial Guard, you exist to kill the enemies of the Emperor. That is it. You are not a person. You don't really have a personality anymore. You exist to kill stuff. And I did like when, of course, he follows it up when he's just like, the only things you love are the Emperor and a fresh Laz pack. <laughs> That's amazing. But yeah, it, it is. There was a lot of that like symbolism and commentary, but subtly. Not, At the like, same time, though, when you find out that Sapa is his daughter, I kind of thought that was hypocritical at the same time. It's like, you're there telling him that he has no right to think back on this fiance he, he had, but you had a family. So. I don't get the impression they were a close family, <laughs> but yes, you're right. So let's jump ahead a little bit to say like, let's talk about Aldalon in general. Was he a good commanding officer? Did you like him? His style? I did. I did. I did too. And I actually really liked the thing with his son and his daughter because you got the impression that Sappa wasn't getting a whole lot of shortcuts. Because like when he said, he's like, if anything, I trained my kids harder. Right. right? But I liked it kind of humanized him. Which is kind of funny because you think in contrast to the Volpone, you know, that they might get a little more depending on who you are. You know, because obviously, because it's the nobility who are in the Volpone anyway. But depending on which family you are, how much higher up you are, you know, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe you can like push ahead with some of your, uh, yeah, it was it, that your promotions or whatever. Where at the Catachan, not so much. Not so much. And I, but I did like that it, it really did humanize him. It made him this. Like, yes, he's this unstoppable killing machine, right? And he's got a big old power fist and he exists to kill Xenos. But he does care about his family. And he admits, he's just like, losing my son shook me. Mm -hmm. And I found that interesting. Um, I also found it interesting where, I mean, he says, he's like, oh, I actually do care about my kids. Now, one has to wonder... Would he have cared that strongly about his kids if they weren't badass fighters? I have a feeling that if you're not a badass fighter, you don't survive. Pretty much. In Catachan. So it's like you're either a badass it's like either a badass fighter or Darwinism. <laughs> Get you. One one of the two. It's Pretty literally much, survival right? of the fittest. 
pretty much. I mean, it's a death world. I think about the Krieg book that we just read where they were talking about like, oh, well, what do civilians do? And there are no civilians on Krieg. I kind You're bored. of imagine. Here's your shovel. <laughs> yes, exactly. The Katachan. I feel like the Katachan are kind of similar. You're like, bored. Here's your knife. Here's your badass knife. I'll... That's probably as long as a baby is, but you know. All I could think about that too, and I hate to be this person, but it's because I'm of a certain age and I'm of a certain pop culture. Let me guess. That ain't a a knife. knife. (laughs) That's a knife. This is a knife. (laughs) Well, especially because Nogrok was like, oh, no, 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 I want that knife back. That's the best knife. (laughs) Like, oh, man. Just. But did you like how he kind of warmed up to Torvin over the books? Over the story, I should say, not books, plural. Um, yeah, but I don't think it was, um, like, out of character either. Because Torvin actually, like, is really kind of interesting because they were all kind of training him in a way. They all broke him down in their own way, kind of like how their world would have broken them down to a point he just, he just had it. Like, when uh, Fletcher was just like, I'm going to kill you because because of what happened to my friends. He's like, okay, fine, just do it. Mm-hmm. And Flush is like, whoa, <laughs> maybe we have something <laughs> here. Yeah, where he's just just snaps. He's just fine. Just just kill me. Just get it over with. It's either going to be by you or the jungle or an orc. So just get it over with, um, or shut up. Like one of the two. Right. Stop or calling leave me alone. Yeah. Stop calling me soft world or stop calling. You know, stop beating me up about stuff just do it and so at that turn and even when like he attacked Fletch actually pulled out a knife and uh, Adelon stopped it and says we don't pull our knives on one another right then is where Adelon turned around on him because he realized Mm -hmm. that this guy was just like look like you just totally insulted me and you came at me so you know as far as he knows where so Adelon he's like well if he was going to kill you he would have well but he also knows Torvin wouldn't have known that. Well, but I did like, I liked when Torvin was like, well, he was going to kill me. And Aldalon's like, he didn't look like the one I was trying to kill the other person. And <laughs> walks off, right? Right. But I think you're right. Like, I think he was like, on one hand, he's like, that's not okay. But on the other, he's like, bad. Like, maybe we do have something we can work with here. Um, And by the way, I am that basic bitch who was 100% shipping of course Torben and Sappa because, mm-hmm. because I can think of no more romantic Katachan first date than helping your date saw off the head of an orc with the knife that you gave them or that you kind of allowed them to pick up. Anyways, important right now. Wow. That's romance. And then when they blew that building together, I mean, they're getting married. Let's be real. (laughs) It was, it was so funny because we were reading that scene and my husband and I were both laughing with her, like helping him saw the head off. And I was like, oh, these two are together now. And he was like, dude, got that bitch an orc. Bitches love orcs. (laughs) Bitches do love orc heads. No. Just saying. Maybe those bitches do, but no. (laughs) Those are the ones he's chasing now. No, I, that scene was so much fun. But you're right. They were all kind of in their own little way trying to show him the ropes. 
And because on one hand, they didn't like him and he was kind of useless to them, but they also kind of needed him to not give away their position. Right. And I don't think they necessarily were invested in his survival per se, so much as their own. Right. Like they, they didn't, you know, they're going to make sure that he didn't die on their account, but they weren't going to go out of their way to protect him either. Exactly. But like, as Adeline said, he's like, don't you get my men killed? It's like the big thing. Exactly. Did you like Torben? Were you invested in his story at all? I was invested in him. It's hard to say if I liked him or not. I pitied him mostly. I mean, yes, he was he was drafted and these things happened. But at the same time, it just I felt for him. I mean, he was supposed to get married. He had a plan and. You know, it's like Hunger Games. The odds were not in his favor. His number was drawn. And so, I, so, he, so he gets to forget your plans. You now have to go and fight in the Hunger Games. Not too unlike a good, uh, that's not too crazy of an analogy, actually. Um, but, you know, he was missing home. He was missing his fiance. He was not meant for this. He was on Scotty. They don't. They're not born with machetes. So. <laughs> well, and they also, like, I felt extra bad for him, oddly, because we always talk about how life in the Imperium sucks, yo. Yep. It is not good. It is not fun. And he arguably had a pretty cush life. He was a scribe. So he's not aristocracy, but he's also not toiling in the underhive. Right. He's very much middle class if they have such a thing in the right? Like Like he was gonna he, have a job in the had... administratum and not one where he had to like sleep in the administratum and count books and eat paste. You know Right. <laughs> you exactly. Know? <laughs> like it, he actually had a pretty I mean it would have been a very dull existence. Especially because I think they said like Skatey was like not like super like it was just very middle ground it wasn't like a really m nutrient or um resource rich world but it also wasn't like bottom tier like he was just everything about him was very middle of the road and here you are son <laughs> on a world with orcs and you like that freedom do you like that freedom <laughs> are you freedom ain't free right now <laughs> yeah, exactly cost the buck oh five um there's a dated reference that's still current in my brain hmm. um the it, and it was fun to see him because as you said like this isn't a guy who signed up so arguably had a better chance because he was like yes i'm going into this knowingly he was tithed and again you're a scribe right there's in um in double eagle there's a really great scene where there's this guy, he's traveling, the, everybody on the planet in Double Eagle are pilots because of the way their world is, like everything is toxic on the lower, like the oceans and stuff are toxic sludge basically. And they all live in these hives and they're all pilots. And at one point the guy's struggling and he's just like, I don't know if I'm going to be a pilot. And his commanding officer's like, what are you going to do for the God Emperor? Swim? And... I felt that a lot with Tormen because the whole time I was thinking about his tithing, I was like, what is he going to do for the God Emperor? Write letters back home? Record battles out on the field? Like, 
it's just I get the idea of tithing, I get the idea of drafting, but it's really cruel. That's kind of sucks you're that safe. You're, you're not. That your planet, only thing you have to tithe is people, right? Yeah. Much better to be an agro world in that aspect. <laughs> At least you're not donating right? people, you're just donating your food. Which right. Maybe that is not so not so great because now I'm thinking of a bug's life where they had to tithe their food. You know? They come, they eat, they leave. They come, they, they eat, they leave. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the... Um, <laughs> It, I guess it just goes to show that in the Imperium, even if you think you're safe, hmm. you are not safe. I promise you there is some horrible fate out there awaiting you. Like tithing. Unless you're a high uh, lord of Terra, I guess. I did really like his arc, though. At first I was kind of like, like, at first I was like, oh, this is interesting because we're getting to see what it's like. To really have no idea what the Imperium is like. Like, I really right. loved the part where he was like, yeah, if they hadn't told me, I, I like, I'm still kind of convinced this is an elaborate ruse. I'm still on my planet somewhere. Right. Right. So, like, that was like, oh, okay. And then it was whiny as he got for a while there. I was like, God, I hope he dies. And then it turned around. It was actually that scene where he's talking with Sapa when he's like, I expected to feel something. Like, horror at what I've done or you know elation I feel nothing and she's like oh that's good that's a good sign and he's like but then what separates us from the orcs and she's like now you're getting it and like walks away and he's just like huh that's when he again grew back on me right I really did like him I I, I just felt bad for him and I totally understood him being whiny, especially when he did nothing wrong. He was following orders. The goddamn commissar has got in her head like, oh, he's a coward. So you can see now, like, because I feel like a lot of the books that we've read with commissars, by and large, they've been pretty cool people. Or they've been like allies or heroes or like I'm thinking about. Um... Oh, shoot. What's her name? Severina Rain, right? Like, yes, dirty job, but fair. And this lady was, she was a traditional commissar where, oh, why are you back here? Well, because my commanding officer sent me. Oh, so you ran. Because well, somebody had to get you the message. Hmm. Cowardice. Right. Like, why didn't you send us a message? We couldn't because the orcs got to the armory. Mag magnetic field that's preventing that's preventing any type of, oh, the, of, the, top of the flares are like we couldn't get there like the orcs were already right. in the armory huh so you yeah. ran instead of sacrificing yourself to light it no I was following orders hmm yeah that was the only part where I really felt bad for him because I was like I was, I was kind of hoping that Aldalon was going to have to deal with her. He almost he storms and he almost kind of did. He almost kind of did. Yeah, I mean, there was definitely a threat in his whole that whole scene, right? When she's like, "Excuse you," and he's just like, "I'm already out for blood. You want to go too?" <laughs> right. Well, really, like when he did the calculations when the ferals came, and they're like, "There's thousands of them." 
there is no way nobody knew about this. And he honestly, he didn't know who was in on it. Right. I did. Um, well, let's get there in a sec. Because we need to talk about Knock Rock. <laughs> he was proper cunning. He was proper cunning. But does, but does that make him a good antagonist? I, I, it was great. I mean, I enjoyed him, but I, I want to see him get killed too. Oh, very much so. And I, we'll talk more about that in a second. Um, I loved him as an antagonist because one of the themes that we're starting to see in some of the orc stories is the only thing worse than an orc is a cunning orc. Um, obviously they have Mork and Gork, but they are definitely more gork heavy and less mm -hmm. mork heavy and we really saw it at what i mean we saw a little bit of it in brutal cunning which was so much fun what was right? that the Where whole point of brutal about you know uh Nazgul Thraka was that he was he was very even in the gork and mork and that's why everyone mm -hmm. kind of followed him and we saw what a real danger it was when you have an orc that thinks and it's not that they're incapable of thinking. It's just not as common for them. And they definitely don't value it. Right. But this book really hit on that. And it is one of my favorite themes that we're starting to see with the orcs. Is this idea that you don't want these things thinking. So did you like his like story, his rise to war boss? Yes. It was awesome. It was pretty awesome. Honestly, probably my favorite interaction that he had with Gutstapa was when Gutstapa was, you know, it's like, why aren't you down there celebrating with all of us? And he's like, because we're keeping watch. And he's like, well, what is there to keep watch of? And he's like, because we've lost most of our orcs. Like, there's loads and loads down there. And he's like, there ain't loads. That's heaps. And then after Nogrok leaves and he turns to uh, Jagged Teeth and he's like, is that loads or heaps? <laughs> Well, it's after Jagged Teeth punches him and knocks him out right. right before he leaves consciousness when he's like, do you suppose that's heaps or loads? That, like, I, just, like, I love that there's, that there's a, a distinction but Well, because that. if you remember, in the Gosgul Thraka book, they would often be like, oh, now there's mini orcs, but now there's many, mini orcs. And then they were like, oh, that's like many, many, many times, like, a lot. Like, they're... <laughs> Their math system. I know. It, it was just so funny. That ain't loads. That's heaps. He's like, do you reckon that's heaps or loads? <laughs> I suddenly want like an, a translation. What is the difference between heaps and loads? And I have to imagine it's the difference between a shit ton and a metric shit ton. Or I was going to say a shit ton and a fuck ton. But, you know, there you go. Well, that works too. A metric. Well, then like, but then you also have degrees of that because then you have a metric shit ton a metric fuck ton like but i kind of want like I, I need some numerical like i need to understand the difference between heaps and loads maybe it's the difference between a ton t-o-n and ton t-o-n-n-e could be could be i all of the dialogue there was great but i loved how i mean i loved how kind of like torvin 
he was doggedly persistent, right? That like, I can do this. I can do this. I, I, people like he kept getting, he got knocked down, but he got up again. (laughs) They were never going to keep him down. I didn't see that coming. Uh, I just was about to say that exact phrase and then that dawned on me. But yeah, he kept getting knocked down and he kept getting back up, right? (laughs) Of this like, nope, my way is the better way. And my way, the commandos. And it's funny to me because the commandos, I love like the figures you see on the tabletop and a lot of the memes with like the commandos where they're like, they're holding a poster of an Astartes Mm -hmm. and they're hiding behind it or like a trash can that they're walking with. But this was actually, this is actually terrifying. Yeah. What does he do now? Well, just the whole idea of them with camouflage and tracking where their camp was. That's scary. And that obviously totally, you know, threw them off as well because they're like, not only did they find us, but they surrounded us, which means that they knew exactly where we were. Crazy. Again... The only thing worse than an orc is a cunning orc. Because, and I did like that even Aldalon was like, these things don't think. That one with the mismatched eyes Mm -hmm. and the camouflage was clearly, clearly an outlier. Like that guy, there's something weird about him, but he's clearly alone. There's not loads of these guys or heaps. Well, there really wasn't. There was just a little. There really wasn't. But just enough to be effective. Well, you know, if you think about it, even like if you play video games, right? And you're going to be sneaky and stealthy. Do you need a whole lot of people to cause chaos if you're playing like a stealthy route? No. I did love, I think I marked the page. I loved when he was explaining what they had to do and they were just like, okay, well, when do we yell war? And, uh... Yeah, I did. It's on page 218. Oh, right. I know exactly what you're That whole about. interaction is amazing. He's like, well, um, but we don't. Well, how are they going to know that orcs is best? They're going to know. Exactly. If we don't yell wah, how do they know the humies know they is about to get crumped? How do they know orcs is best? That, again, orc logic cracks me up when they're just like, but what? And then, of course, they yell too early and he's just like, you gets. <laughs> Which, again, it's just fun. Yeah. Did you see the twist coming? The feral orcs that, oh, the planetary governor definitely knew about. No. I mean, so so they kept talking about, you know, reinforcements. So that's what I kept, you know, waiting for, like, other members of this tribe or clan or whatever the hell, hell, more death skulls coming in. No, I wasn't counting on or expecting feral orcs. Obviously, Nogrok wasn't either, because he was like, oh, this is a different problem. Right, but he was also, as soon as the feral orcs show up, he's like, I can use this. This is to my advantage. You do, it was one of those things that I did like, because it is one of those things that you have to be a little bit more familiar with orcs to like, because as soon as they mentioned him, I was like, oh, I forgot that's a thing. I forgot feral orcs are a thing. And the idea that a planetary governor would just not mention them. Because, as Aldalon says, because money. Right. Just 
did not even think to mention this. First, I thought it was out of fear that mm-hmm. they're going to get the exterminatus treatment. Oh, right. Well, because, I mean, we got a serious infestation here. I mean, apparently there's an area where the fungus just doesn't die. That's literally, like, why there's so many feral orcs. Um, best way to stop that is with fire. Uh, let's be real. Or a virus that eats everything. But, you know, a little bit of both. Um I thought it was that until they started doing the money. I was like, okay, now that's just even worse. I thought it was like, maybe you were just afraid of your people or even like maybe your own life, but it's about money. Okay. The most cowardly Mm -hmm. of cowardly reasons, right? Just absolute repugnant. Just, oh, well, you know, we're just not that big of a planet. And really and like i think i honestly think that in that moment had he said like given that if he laid out those things like look my people we can't sacrifice our entire planet just to get rid of these things because the imperium can't be bothered to come save us i think maybe maybe autolon and the commissar might have been like pathetic but okay Mm -hmm. understood but just good old-fashioned greed Oh, that jerk. But don't we see that so often, though, with these planetary governors? Like, it's yes. so rare that we actually have a governor that's like, okay, put me on the front line. Like, what can I do to, to help? And yeah, it's generally, um, but my things and my stuff. Exactly. And my food. And I don't want the Inquisition looking at me. Oh, God, that was so great when he's like, the Inquisition can't come. Oh, it's too late. <laughs> Oh, that's okay. So I really hated that commissar until that moment because she's one of the quote unquote bad commissars because she's definitely trigger happy, but fair. (laughs) Since, I mean, I kind of expected her to be like, well, we can't do that to the planetary governor. Oh, no. Nope. She's just like, okay, so this needs further investigation now. And I like to imagine that she said it in the same tone of, you done fucked up, A.A. Ron. Right. <laughs> like, if you had just been honest, <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe we could have done something. But now we have the Inquisition involved. Yeah, I just love, kinda, you know, Adelon, like, attacked him and she starts attacking Adelon. He was just like, just give me, like, one minute. And if you have a problem with this, then I will stop. And then he does his ex- explanation. The guy admits it. And he looks at Commissar and she's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> You're right. I I did like when Nilam is like, wait, what? And Aldalon's, okay, so he wasn't in on this too. Because you know that Aldalon was like fully prepared oh, yeah. to have to deal with both of them. Or and possibly the commissar too. Yes. Like he went in there prepared to wipe out that entire room. And he could have. Good news. He only had to take out the governor. And even then, he doesn't take him out, per se. No. He just, you know, makes him shit himself. Well, to be fair, I think most people would when they know the Inquisition is now going to come for them. I'm going to talk about some trigger-happy people. <laughs> I I know I reference this a lot, but it remains Zenos, one of my all-time... <laughs> right. Um, 
It remains one of my all-time favorite scenes, and it's in that Brothers of the Snake, and it's when the Adeptus Astartes is trying to get this woman, she's a princess, he's trying to get her to comply, and she's like, no, fuck you, and she shoots him, and then all of a so sudden I'm sure the he was just like, the hell? Yeah, he's like, what? <laughs> and um, the Inquisitor shows up, and she runs screaming in the other direction, and the Astartes is like, okay, yep, that happened. I got shot, run screaming from the Inquisition. We see where the real power is here. And like, he's not bitter about it. He's just like, okay. Maybe I need my own rosette. <laughs> right, exactly. And it, uh, but I've always really liked that because it does drive home. Like you've got a catachan choking you out with a power fist. But what the real sphere is, is the Inquisition. Like, honestly, like, yeah. I'm kind of with him on that. <laughs> Them too, honestly. At least the, at least the Katachan death would be quick. Yeah, he'll just snap your neck. No, the Inquisition. You're talking about months, years of just torture. And let's not even talk about what they're going to do to your planet. Stupid. Even if you were worried about Exterminatus first, you know, it's pretty much over now. There's also, similarly with, um, and I think people will know what I'm talking about. I think it's, um, I think it's his last command. It's uh, one of the Gaunt's ghost books. They go back to Geryon and the Inquisition is there and they start processing people. And of course, Gaunt is like, what are you doing? And the Inquisitor's like, we are a blunt instrument. You know, it's one of those phrases that always stuck with me. It was very classic peak abnet. So what happens next? Did, let me actually. Let me ask you this: Were you satisfied with the ending? No, I wasn't either. It felt like I don't want them to go back out again to to most likely die. All that for nothing. I guess right, the life of the guard, I guess. But it was, and I guess I have to remind myself of that. Oh, shit! Now that you say it like that, so one of the things I really liked about Steel Tread was that she never gets to have a conversation with the big bad. She never gets to hear his soliloquy, right? He never monologues at her. She never even really confronts him. She's she's just a rank-and-file soldier who mm -hmm. is part of what kills the big bad, but beyond that, she doesn't know. Um, I guess in some ways this is very similar, because I was actually really disappointed, because I was like, you revealed this twist, this traitor, and now what? Now, nothing? But when you say it like that, yeah, like, okay, I caught the planetary governor doing some bullshit and back out to fight again. Are we going to get reinforcements? Mm -hmm. Maybe. Maybe. According to the end transmission, it's their eighth request. Yeah, the Imperium seems really efficient. Very efficient. Although when you think about, again, just untold world screaming, like I would love to see their prioritization logic. So uh, the kids started, they found Futurama on Hulu. And so they've been watching some. 
And there's this one episode where um, Hermes is having a visit from the bureaucracy and he's tidying oh my God, everything yes. up. So she comes and for them to shake hands, they're signing forms in triplicate and stamping and switching things around. And then they're able to shake hands. First of all, I was like, wow, our own government's not that far from it as I was prepping all the paperwork for my kids' passports. But secondly, I'm like, this oh is the God. administratum. This is how I managed to shake hands. 100% the administratum. Like, before we shake hands, we got to do all these forms in triplicate and stamped oh, and approved yeah. and stapled. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is, it is not efficient. And by the way... If you want a really messed up story that I highly, highly recommend, there is a short story audio drama. It's by Alex War Alec Worley, um, who does phenomenal audio dramas, but it's called A Watcher in the Rain. It is basically, the horror story is bureaucracy. <laughs> uh, That's well, it. I mean, that is a pretty good horror story, to be fair. It Oh, you know nothing, Jon Snow. The red tape. Is... The red tape. I can't say anything else because it gives it away, but oh my god. Highly recommend. It is so well done, and I love the woman who voices the main character. She's phenomenal. But, um, Bureaucracy the Horror Book. <laughs> highly recommend. But, I, I guess when you word it like that, yeah, it is. It's just like, alright, we rooted that out, and Back out there. Get back out there and start killing. Because their job isn't done. They don't get to just... And I, Like Aldalon says earlier, he's like, there's no retirement for a jungle fighter. Right. Your retirement is when you die in the service of the emperor. So I know, but I was just hoping that since now Torvin was like an honorary jungle fighter, that maybe he'd get a minute to send a letter to Melina. But by the way, I'm I officially a badass. <laughs> I met someone new. We took work <laughs> together. I got a bandana. Got a... <laughs> that scene, when he gives him the bandana, it's like, <sighs> the dad approves of this union. You're awful. I do not want to read this next awful. book with you. I really don't. But, so... Final top, final question. Like, what happens next for the fifty sixth, the fifty seventh? Do you think they get off world? Do you think they? No, I think succeed? they all died. I hate to agree with you, but I think you're right. I mean, there's just too many of the feral orcs. I mean, there's a lot they can do, uh, you know, as the jungle fighters. But at the same, I mean, they can do another mind trap probably very, very easily with the ferals. But I mean, because they got to get to the ferals before. Nogrok comes back, obviously, and like trains them. I was gonna say the feral orcs. The thing about them is that they mostly are feral because there's the lack of a war boss or a knob mm -hmm. or anything like that. Like they have no one to teach them. Exactly. So you do not want Nogrok stewing out in the jungle. And like the thing about it is, is that with orc society, really all he has to do get a couple like maybe like several dozen of the ferals and then a few dozen more and right. a few dozen oh, yeah. more and before you know it you're gonna have not feral orcs or you're gonna have a combination of a tide of ferals and when you think about that it's kind of like the imperium right 
Like, oh, you have the Catachan who are very, very skilled and dangerous, and then all this cannon fodder that we just kind of throw at people. Right. So like the, the Catachan, so I mean, the Catachan are going to figure out a way to keep the you know destroy all the ferals, and I don't think you know whether there's like what thirteen of them left. Yes, they're really good at what they do, but you know, going back to a bug's life, you know, and the grasshopper's like, you know. <laughs> It's just a bunch of ants. What does it matter? And Hopper takes one of the seeds and throws it at them. He's like, does that hurt? And he goes, no. So then he unleashes the whole grain thing and it kills them. He's like, does that hurt? That's like what the ants are. That's like what the orcs are. They're just, they're army ants just ready to run over. And you can have as many people to stomp on them as you wish. But you're eventually you're going to be taken over. That's how piranha work. It's how the army ants have always worked. You know, the other, the mass. how Africanized bees work. Ex yes, it's exactly. Exactly. If you've ever seen, um, if you've ever seen those, like in the wild, it's terrifying. Oh, I've because seen. Because it does. I've it moves video. like a cloud. Yeah. Yeah. It's it. Mm, no, thank you. I, yeah, exactly. Some of nature's most effective killers just kill through sheer numbers. Numbers. Mm -hmm. I draw your attention to the Japanese honeybee, aka one of the most metal insects. Oh, how they kill the murder hornets, which is great. It was amazing for people who don't know. They literally, like a bunch of them will get into a ball around a murder hornet and kind of trap them like that. And they vibrate their wings. Murder hornets can live at like 97 degrees. And the, and the honeybees die at 90, like 9 degrees. So they bring the ball, the heat up to 90, like 8 degrees. Yeah, it's like perfect. Just hot enough to kill the hornet, but not kill themselves. It's... So metal. Kind of admire them. Yeah, there's a there's a cool YouTube video out there if you guys really really want to see it in action, like what they do, because you can see it. It's a coordinated attack when the murder hornet works its way into the hive. It's, oh yeah, it's crazy. It is wild. But but uh, again, the oatmeal also did a thing on it. Yeah, yeah, and that's how I first found out about it was with with this comic. But he links to a video. That yep. shows it in action. It's really, really cool. Um, but yeah. It's kind of how the humans kill the um, kill the Astartes. Because that's in uh, the most recent Siege of Terra novel. They basically, uh, you Brady friggin' Keeler basically sets up the Imperial Doctrine. Or, she, or Imperial Dogma where she's like, look, it takes something like a hundred human beings to kill one Astartes. Well, guess what? We've got human beings for days. Well, it's, and so they just it's, throw them. It's true. I mean, that's something that I've, you know, always thought, you know, you, you just got to get enough of them. They can take one down. It may take them a while, but they can still take one down. So it's the Absolutely. same thing with these feral, these feral orcs. I don't think any of these people survive. And that just makes me very sad. It makes me very sad, too. But it, it's also kind of the life of the guard, right? Yeah. It sucks. But Nobody was, wants to be in the guard. But honestly, like with the orcs, like you just can't throw guard at the orcs and take care of it. It's got to bring in at least one squad of Astartes. It's just you have to have that big of something to come in and stomp them out. But didn't want to send resources to this planet before the feral orcs were discovered. I, I just... I can't imagine when it's like, oh, by the way, they were lying about having feral orcs. Uh, and, not lying, they were just obfuscating mm. the feral orcs. 
and this planet kind of sucks and doesn't really have anything, and the governor's corrupt, and there's thousands of feral orcs. Um, right. I mean, I don't know if the Imperium's just like whoo, Godspeed. Well, and they and they probably are. I mean, I you know, as I recently like put in the first Space Marine game, and you know, I hadn't played it since it originally came out. And obviously, I know more about the Imperium and everything now. So at the very beginning of the game, there's that distress signal about the orc invasion. And it goes through, like, reasons to save this planet. And because of that, there's a certain manufactorum with a certain Titan unit. They're like, okay, we'll go yep. in and save. And I was like, and at first, and at the time, you know, it probably just went right over my head. Actually, I know it did. But now I'm just like, sons of bitches. That's awful. That's I said. I want to see... I want to see the prioritization logic. Yeah. Like, I want to see that. And it actually goes back to, despite us not liking that book at all, um, oh, and it was by Andy Clark, unfortunately. It was the one with the Gator Imperial Bones? Fist. No. Oh, oh the. I really liked that one. Okay. The Imperial the Librarian. The Imperial Fist. Yes, the librarian, the Primaris yeah, librarian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget what, what it's called. But when yeah. everyone's just like, you're getting us off the planet, right? And he's like, no, no, we're here because you make X, Y, Z. Sorry. Sorry, Charlie. Like, oh, man, I would love to see the prioritization logic that goes through of do we help? What do they make? Eh. Almost eh. Would, I wouldn't be surprised with some magic eight ball. Mm. Yeah. Outlook, not so good. Manufactorum. We're there. <laughs> right. Like, um that uh south park with the economy <laughs> complete with kazoo <laughs> that's right that's just what i like to imagine <laughs> but i'm actually a little excited because this is our what third imperial guard novel that we've read this year um really mm. fun but... steel tread yeah. volpone glory yes. krieg and now katachan forgot about volpone glory you're absolutely correct mm -hmm. um so like fourth Imperial Guard novel, so I'm really excited to get into some just good old political intrigue with our man, Robert Rath, Assassinorum Kingmaker. Political intrigue. Uh, look. So we got expectations like a, uh, are high. We got a Vindicary and a uh, mm -hmm. Calidus. Yes. Is that what that is, a Calidus? Okay. Yes. And yes. I'm already shipping them. I know you are. Shut up. But I put that on Twitter and Robert Rath replied. It was basically like, a lot of people are going to be. And I was like, oh, you mad lad. Ugh. You did that on purpose. Uh, but uh, expectations are very high. Uh, after The Infinite and the Divine and after some of his short stories, I'm very excited for this book. I think it's going to be... Hope it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, we don't get to read very much about the Officio Assassinorum either. Uh, no. Um, in fact, I mean, we did in uh, Gate of Bones. No, not Gate of Bones. It was um, uh, Chris Watchers of the Throne too. Yes, yes, that Electric one. Boogaloo. Yes, that's. I think that actually might be the only book we've read. Where they featured prominently. Yes. Um, um, now and it's really me, just in the deus es machina. For me personally, I read uh, Nemesis from Horus oh, right, Heresy, right. which was all about like what the best of the 
all of the officious Essenor. I'm trying to get together and um, kill Horus. And by the way, they all fail miserably. But the Calidus, there's a really great short story by uh, ADB about the Calidus assassin. Um, oh my God, Makar? No. You know, we had oh, another one with the Calidus in um, Spears of the Emperor. <laughs> oh, did we ever? <laughs> the scene that you had to read twice because you're like, what just happened? Yeah. Who made his head fell forward? Calidus. I'm so excited. <laughs> There's so much fun. Um, I like my shapeshifters. They're awesome. And did I mention... They wield Necron phase blades. Come on. See, after Nemesis, I be I really like the Vindicary. I'm very excited for that. Oh, there was a hammer and bolter with an assassin yeah, with a um, with a Calidus Calidus. and a Vindicary. Yeah. Yes. Be, I wonder if it's the same people. That'd be kind of fun. That would actually be badass because those two were definitely together in my mind too. Of course they were. Gotta look for romance everywhere you go, my friends. And yet you hate rom-coms. It's so weird. I hate them with a passion. I don't, I don't, I don't feel the need to explain my idiosyncrasies. <laughs> you want to take us out, Carrie? On that note, I guess I will. Jeez. She's like, I don't explain myself to you. Well, fine. Right. I'm out. Peace. You've all listened to the Warhammer 40k book club episode regarding Catachan Devil by Justin Woolley. Be sure to join us next time for Assassinorum Kingmaker by Robert Rath. We are an unofficial book club not affiliated with the Black Library or any of its affiliates. You can find both the vidcast and podcast on our website wh40kbookclub.com. If you like this episode, please like, subscribe, give a review, and all those good things to the vidcast on YouTube or the podcast anywhere you get podcasts. Our site also has articles about our adventures and reading other Warhammer 40k books and short stories outside of the book club books. So please stay a while and read from a crack. Yeah, I'm still all furious. I even have the mug to prove it. You. Some red. Preferably with the marker from Dead Space on top of it. What happened to your chartreuse? Um, chartreuse is currently being moved around because I'm, I started doing my bookcases and then I got a little distracted. Hmm. So, Martian red it is. <laughs> Alright, well, good night, everybody. Good night. of the Warhammer 40k book club is hosted by Jen Bozier and me. Recording and editing of both the vidcast and podcast were done by me. The book club questions and discussion format were done by Jen, and all of our music is by Jingle Punks. The Warhammer 40k book club is a Warhammer LLC production. This is a Voxcast that even he, Cato Sicarius, would approve.